Welcome to the truth for today. I am Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon is going to be looking at Ephesians 4 verses 9 through 13. And I'm doing that because we had that panel talk about it. And as I listened to them, I realized I, I really need to go over this and, uh, yeah, add some stuff to what they said. So we pray that God would bless you through this and that he'd continue to grow you during this time of COVID craziness. For our sermon today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, verses 9 through 13. And I read in Jesus' name, Ephesians 4, verses 9 through 13. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study this text, I pray that you would bless us, that you would guide us, that you would be honored in us, Lord, and that through this you would build us up, that you would be revealed in us. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have preached on this text before, but when I did it, as we were going through the book of Ephesians uh, earlier this year, was it this year? Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, as we were going through the book of Ephesians, I kind of skimmed over it. I touched on it a little bit, but I didn't touch on it in any really great detail. And as I've been interacting with, well, the book of Judges, this passage has been kind of growing on my mind and that this is something that I really need to talk about and that it really needs to be expounded and applied into our modern day. The way that we're doing church as modern Americans, I don't think is 100% accurate. It, it Ultimately, it, it doesn't utilize all of the opportunity and the options that God has given us. And so because of that, I really want to look at this. And as we start, we're going to look at, start looking at verse 10, where the Apostle Paul says, He who descended, that's speaking about Jesus, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So what is Paul talking about here? What is Paul talking about? When Paul says that he might fill all things, I want you to think back into the days of Joshua and think back into the days of Judges and think back into what the Israelites were doing as they were filling the land. The first thing that the Israelites were doing as they filled the land, as they claimed it as their own. This is our land now. This is no longer Canaanite land. This is no longer Philistine land. This is no longer Jebusite land. This is Israelite land. I am claiming this. I am making this my own. So when Abraham was called to go to Israel, to go to Canaan, he wasn't given the land. He was given the promise, but he wasn't given the land. He lived there as a sojourner. He lived there as someone who came and he went, but it wasn't his land. He bought a small parcel of it and that was his. He paid for it with his own money. But God told him, it's going to come to your descendants. And so Abraham lived as a sojourner in that land. 
Isaac lived as a sojourner in that land. It wasn't Isaac's land. He was just a traveler. He was just a nomad in the land. He just lived there. Jacob, it was the same thing. It was only after Moses. And Moses never got the land either. The land came to Joshua. And to all of Joshua's people and the people that were following after Joshua. And it was those people that followed after Joshua, the 12 tribes of Israel, they entered into the land and they said, this is our land now. They claimed it as their own. The second thing they did when they filled the land is they cleansed the land. They removed the evil, they were to remove the evil influences from the land because those evil influences ultimately led them into evil. They followed after the gods of the Canaanites. They followed after the gods of the, um, the Amorites and the Hittites. They followed after these false gods. And as they followed after these false gods, ultimately God removed them from the land because they failed to cleanse the land. And so one of the things that the Israelites did when they entered into the land is they cleansed the land. They were, they were to be removing the, the people who had given themselves into idolatry. They were to be removing the people, the, the idols themselves, all of this false worship. They were supposed to be removing all of these things. They were supposed to be cleansing the land, purifying the land, sanctifying the land. Now you might be saying, Joe, what does this have to do with this text? This has to do with this text because this is what Jesus does as he fills all things. As Jesus fills all things, he claims all things. He says, all of these things are mine. Every circumstance, every person, every personality, everything that's going on in this world, that now has become mine. I descended, I went down to the lowest parts. I ascended, I ascended into the highest heaven. All of that stuff in between, that's mine. Hell, I own that. Heaven, I own that. And everything in the middle, I own that too. And so Jesus went through. Jesus claimed everything. And so the stuff that's going on in our culture right now, the stuff that's going on in America, the stuff that's going on in the world, Jesus says, I claim that. That's mine. I'm in that. I am working in that. Does that mean that Satan's not working? No, it doesn't mean that Satan's not working. Because Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is at work, seeking an opportune time. Satan is at work right now, right here, right now. Satan is at work in our culture, in our world, in our state. You name it. Satan is at work. But Jesus says, I'm also at work. This is mine. I live here now. The coronavirus, I live in that. The chaos, I live in that. The churches, I live in them. The government, I live in that. That's mine. I claim that. Satan at work? Yes, but I claim that too. And then the second thing that the Israelites did is what Jesus is doing right now. He's sanctifying it. He's purifying it. He's cleansing it. He's using these things to bring about cleanliness in his people. He's using these things to purify us, to test us, to try us, to, to call us into greater and greater work, to call us into greater and greater glorification of himself. God wants us to reveal him into this world. 
That's what it means to glorify someone, is to reveal the best about them. Well, what's the best about God? Um, Everything. So then as we glorify God, we reveal everything about God. Everything that we can reveal about God, we reveal about God. And we do that through the coronavirus. We do that through the chaos. We do that in our government. As we interact with our government, we were called to do that in our families, in our churches, in ourselves, in our community. We are called to reveal God because Jesus lives there and Jesus says, these things are to be sanctified unto me. That's what it means when it says, Jesus fills all things. He is in them and he is sanctifying them. He is cleansing them. He is making them his own. All things, all people, drawing them unto himself. He is doing that. All personality types, drawing them unto himself, making them his own. He is doing that right now. Praise God. We as Christians are not in this alone. Jesus is claiming the land of Canaan. That's what he's doing in this world. Satan's fighting back. Sure, absolutely. But nevertheless, Jesus fills all things. So no matter where you go, no matter what situation is there, you can look at it and say, Jesus is here somewhere. There might be lots of evil in that situation, but Jesus is there too. I can seek him. I can find him. He's in it. He is working in that. He is sanctifying that. Where is he working? Where can I work with him? Where can I be his fellow worker in this situation? I see that in America right now. Where can I work with Christ? What's Jesus up to? I see that in this church. What's Jesus up to? Where can I work with him? To bring about his will, to bring about the light of him into this world. So the reason I started there is because that's so important that Jesus is filling all, that Jesus fills all of these things, that Jesus is in all of these things. What are these things then? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so as far as I can tell, What Paul is talking about here, he's talking about, well, we'll go into the grammar to start with. He's talking about vocations, callings, personality traits, because he's got this the here. He says, um, and he gave the apostles, and he gave the prophets, and he gave the evangelists, and he gave the pastors and teachers. And so that article becomes really important because that demonstrates an office, someone, something that's particular. He didn't just give pastors. Paul could have said that. could have just left it inarticulate. He could have left it without an article. He could have said pastors. He could have said apostles. He could have said prophets. And so I don't think these are just 
personality traits. Not just personality traits, but personality definitely comes into this because personality plays into our vocation. The way that God has made us plays into the calling that God has put upon our lives. And so God doesn't call me to be a secretary. Why? Because I'm not very organized. I'm not very administratively capable. I exist really on a creative edge and I have a hard time doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. That's why I don't preach with notes because it, it puts me on that edge. It gives me that opportunity. And so that goes with my personality. Here, being a pastor, I'm called to be at that creative edge and pushing these things out. That's my personality. That's going to play into my calling. So the way that God has made me plays into the vocation, the calling that he has given me. And so these are callings. We call them offices at times, but the problem with focusing on them as offices is that sometimes you'll get someone in there that doesn't quite fit. What happens if you put a pastoral person into an evangelistic office? They're not going to be, that doesn't make them an evangelist. What if you put a prophetic person into the pastoral office that doesn't make them pastoral? And so Paul has that article there, the the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And so that tells us that this is someone that has that personality who has given themselves into this specific type of ministry. That's an apostolic person who has given themselves into the ministry of the apostleship. That is someone who has that evangelistic personality, giving themselves into the ministry of evangelism, of the evangelist. This is someone who is pastoral, giving themselves into the ministry of the pastorate. This is someone who has a prophetic personality, giving themselves into that prophet role. And so that's what's going on here. So these are people that have this personality, but have also then given themselves into that role to live out, to embody that role, to make that role their own. They're not trying to mix roles and they're not trying to do things that aren't their gifts. They're embodying that ministry. Those people in those roles with those vocations, those are gifts to the church. And so I want to go through these gifts as far as I understand them. Now note this. And I really do want you to note this. This isn't the final word on this. This isn't my final word on this. I'll probably talk about this again as I come to understand it in a greater and greater way. Other people have written books on them and struggle with some of those books, but that's fine. But this is the best that I can do to understand that. What is an apostle? What is an apostolic personality. An apostolic personality is someone who is, first off, focused on groups. They're focused on groups. Not necessarily Christians or non-Christians, but groups. And so that would be a congregation or even a denomination to see that thing as a whole and not just as a part here and a part there and a part there and a part there, but to see that thing as a whole that connects together. You know, and so Paul, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. 
Peter, he was an apostle to the Jews. And then we have the 12 apostles being sent out. And we have apostles going out today. And they're looking at this people group. I want to reach this people group. I want to reach that people group. I want to reach this tribe. And they see it as a whole. They interact with the parts, but they see it as a whole. And they're trying to reach the thing as a whole. They're not just trying to reach this person, reach out that, to that person, but rather they're pushing that envelope. They're, they're reaching out to these things as a whole, as a group. And so they're looking at it as a group level. They're interacting in it, with it at a group level. And they're always pushing it out. They're always trying to grow that, to grow that group, to grow that church. That's what they're looking to do, to grow it broader and to grow it taller. They're looking to grow those people. And so we see Paul acting as a father to the people of Corinth. Well, we see Paul watering, and, or planting, and Apollos watering. But Paul says, I've been a father to you. I don't know if that was in Corinthians or not. But we see Paul being a father to them. And he's... he's Nurturing them and guiding them along, but ultimately for their growth. And so we see Peter interacting with the people, the Jewish people. Peter's not going out. Peter's staying in Jerusalem at this point. Peter's not going out like Paul is. Paul, Paul says, well, I was there. I'm going to go there this time. Well, there's a church there. I don't need to go there. I'm going to go to another spot. And so Paul's always bringing the gospel to a new people group, to a new era, to a new city, to a new bunch of non-Christians. But always focused on the groups. Peter, he himself focused on the groups of people there in Jerusalem. He focused on the Jews, cleansing their worship, bringing the truth of God into their lives they had all of this right and they had all of this tradition, but they didn't understand it. And so Peter was to bring Jesus into that people group. Into all of that tradition. He was to bring Jesus into it all so that they could see Jesus in it all. That's what we see Peter preaching when he's talking in the book of Acts. Now Peter also then brings that gospel out because Peter, he's the one that brought it to the people of Samaria. He's the one that the Holy Spirit came through and established that indeed these are Christians because the Holy Spirit manifested himself in that area and manifested himself in Cornelius as well through Peter. But then as Peter went out, Peter then came back. (laughs) Came back to the Jews, bringing the gospel into that culture, bringing Jesus into that Lost culture. So that was, that was the apostolic personality. They're always pushing the envelope. They're always entering into something new. Trying to bring the gospel. Trying to claim that then for Christ. Claim that new thing for Christ. Claim that people for Christ. That's what the apostolic ministry is. Claiming something new for Christ. Bringing Christ again into that thing. And they work at it at a group level. The prophet then comes in. And now, I want to separate out the prophet from someone who has the manifestation gift of prophecy. Because the manifestation gift of prophecy is that God would grant them a word. God would grant them something. Does that make them a prophet? No, the Holy Spirit has manifested himself in this person through prophecy. 
And the Holy Spirit can do that to anybody. We see the Holy Spirit doing that to the high priest, doing that to Caiaphas. And Caiaphas prophesied. Does that make Caiaphas a prophet? No, he wasn't even a Christian. Doesn't make him a prophet. But because he was a high priest, he prophesied. And so we see the Holy Spirit, he can manifest himself in anybody, whether they're Christian or not. That doesn't make them a prophet. But here, this prophetic personality. So I I really pondered this. I spent a lot of time studying scripture, coming, you know, thinking about the prophets, going through the Old Testament prophets, looking at the Old Testament prophets, really focusing on their descriptions in um, 1 Samuel to 2 Chronicles, looking at those prophets there and what they did and how they interacted. And what they, the prophets seem to be doing is the prophets seem to be looking ahead. Saying, hey, this path that you're on, that's not good. So the prophets are interacting with the group. But the, pro- the group that the prophets predominantly interact with, this doesn't mean they don't interact with non-Christians, but they predominantly interact with believers. They interact with the people who call themselves by the name of the Lord. So we get Jonah going out to Nineveh. Sure. We get Jeremiah proclaiming some prophecies against other nations. Absolutely. Sure. No problem. But where did they spend the bulk of their time? Speaking to the people who called themselves by God's name. That's where they spent most of their time. That's what they focused on. They were always drawing them back to the straight and narrow. As a group, drawing them back to the straight and narrow. This is where we live. This is how we act. This is what is true. All of these things are false. If you fall into those things, you will be destroyed. If you start following Molech, God will destroy you. If you disobey God, God will destroy you. That's what's going to happen. That's the personality and God will manifest prophecy in these people. We see Agabus being a prophet, the Holy Spirit manifesting in him. See his daughters doing the same thing. People prophesying, telling of the future, the Holy Spirit manifesting himself that way. But then we also see these prophetic personalities drawing things back into that straight and narrow, drawing things back into that truth. Saying what you're doing is wrong. Where this is going is wrong. And you will suffer consequences if you walk in this way. But if you walk in the Lord's way, you will be blessed. You will be deepened. You will grow. You will be blessed. Does that mean you're going to be rich? No, but that means you're going to be blessed. Like Jeremiah told Baruch, you're going to escape with your life. That's it. But your life will be your prize. And so, what's going on here? What's a prophet? A prophet is someone who looks at the truth and says, this is what we're living by. This is where we're walking. We're coming back to the truth. And they're focused on that group level. Again, focused on that group level. So how about the evangelists? Well, the evangelists are focused on individuals, it seems. Time and time again, we see evangelists focused on individuals bringing the truth of Jesus into the non-Christian community. Bringing the truth of Jesus to the individuals they're interacting with. Bringing the truth of Jesus to this person and to this person and to this person. Whether that be preaching in the open air and preaching to the individuals. Now, it doesn't mean that the apostles don't evangelize. 
It means that they're not evangelists. Because evangelists then come along and they bring the gospel. And they just bring the gospel. They bring the gospel into the group. They bring the gospel into the individual. They bring the gospel wherever they go. That's why we have the four evangelists writing about Jesus Christ, writing the gospels. That's why we call them the four evangelists because they're bringing the good news into this world. And that's what it seems that the evangelist is doing. They bring the gospel wherever they go. They're bringing the gospel. They're bringing the gospel. They're bringing the gospel. And then we have those who are pastoral. And again, the pastoral people, they're focused on the individual level. But they're focused on the truth lived out in the individuals. So the apostle is bringing the gospel bringing Jesus into the group. The evangelist is bringing Jesus to the individual. The prophet is bringing the truth to the group. The pastor is bringing the truth to the individual. That pastoral personality is teaching people how to interact, bringing them together, bringing them together as in, in relationship. They're helping, they're healing. Those are the compassion ministries Bringing the love of Jesus to that individual. Bringing the love of Jesus to that one. Bringing the love of Jesus to this one and that one over here. And we see them working in our congregation. And they, they create groups. And they love and they care. And they, they, they want everyone to get along. They're, they're seeking to, to create this, this unity. And they create that unity by focusing on the truth entering into the life of the individual and how that then affects the individual and how that individual can now affect those other individuals. But it's that individual focus. And that's where the pastors are working. And that's that pastoral gifting. Something that all of these groups have in common though is the gift of teaching. I don't know how much you want to get into the grammar, but this there's different conjunctions in the Greek and we don't have those same conjunctions in the English. But this last conjunction, that's a chi. And as far as I can tell, that draws it all together. Chi, teachers. And so the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, those ones who have the gift of teaching as well, they become gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints. But that gift of teaching then, the apostle who is a teacher is a gift to the church for the equipping of the saints. The prophet who is a teacher is a gift to the church for the equipping of the saints. The evangelist who is a teacher is a gift to the church for the equipping of the saints. The pastor who is a teacher is a gift to the church for the equipping of the saints. Because these people aren't just to be doing the ministry on their own. All the saints are to be doing the ministry. We see these personalities manifesting in all of the people. As I look at the congregation here at Hosanna, I see all these divergent personalities coming out. And oftentimes they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. Let alone be able to teach someone else how to do them. To teach someone else how to pastor. People struggle with that. Teach them out how to create systems that reach groups and that enter into that which is not Christ's. How do you teach someone to be an apostle? How do you teach someone to be a prophet? How do you teach someone to be an evangelist? These people have given themselves 
to those ministries and they become that gift to the rest of the body as they're able to equip the saints for that work of ministry, as they're able to teach the saints to go and do these things. This is how you do this. This is the manner in which you do this. This is how we spread this out. This is how we make new apostles. This is how we make new prophets. And so those people aren't just to be doing the work of ministry. They are to do the work of ministry because that's how they learn the work of ministry. But not only are they to be doing it, they're to be doing it in such a way that they're equipping others for the work of ministry. And I want you to notice something too. Within those four personalities, there's different ways of focusing on that single goal. What is the goal that the Apostle Paul tells us here? So to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what does this mean? That Christ doesn't just have apostles. That that personality isn't the only one that's necessary. Christ doesn't just have prophets. That personality isn't the only one that's necessary. Christ doesn't just have evangelists. If everyone was evangelist, where would, the, where would what the apostles do? Where would that fit? What the prophets do? Where would that fit? The pastors, what they do? Where would that fit? So we don't just have pastors either. Pastoral people who do the pastoral work. We need all of these we need this diversity amongst the body of Christ. And so the apostle can't say, well, my way is the only way. I don't need any of these people, even though the way that the pastor interacts with people might not fit 100% with their personality. And so we're going to have diversity within the body of Christ. Every congregation is going to have that diversity. Every congregation is going to exist at a level of diversity but we are all to be doing all of our work for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So that's our end goal then, that unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. So those things exist in parallel. Paul's just repeating himself here. To the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, that is mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that is. Those are all three the same thing. Those all three exist in parallel. So that's the end goal. That's what all of these ministries, that's what all of these people should be aiming for and shooting for. It's not to make an apostolic church. It's not to make a prophetic church. It's not to make an evangelistic church. It's not to make a pastoral church. But rather, within the church, we need the pastoral ministry. Uniting all of these people together, all of these individuals, 
We need that pastoral ministry. We need the evangelistic ministry reaching out to the people in our communities, reaching out into these areas, reaching out where there are churches but they're still non-Christians, reaching out into these communities. We need those evangelists. We need those evangelists equipping the people to reach out to the people around them. We need the pastor equipping the people. How do you mend relationships? How do you deal with conflict? How do you interact with these things? How do you show compassion? How do you show love? How do you live out truth in the midst of community? We need apostles always pushing the envelope, pushing further, pushing further, pushing further, both within the established church community. How do we make all of these things Christ's and into the non-Christian areas? How do we bring that people group into submission to Jesus? And we need the prophets saying, hey, Here's truth. Here's where you need to be walking. We need to come back to this. This is where blessing lives. Because not only are they giving warnings, but they give promises. You read through the books of the prophets and you see the promises. You see the hope in Isaiah. You see the hope in Jeremiah. You see the hope in Ezekiel. Oh, there's some stern warnings there. But there's also hope. There's also hope. What happens if we all lived in unity with Christ? What happens if we all sought Christ? Just think of that. Think of what God could do. So we need all of those ministries. We need them all working together so that the saints can reach the body, can reach the maturity of Christ, the fullness of the body of Christ, that we can reach that fullness Because that's why we have all of this distinction. That's what Christ gave us. He claimed all those. He said, all of these are mine. All of these are mine. I'm filling them. I am sanctifying them. Don't kick any of them out. They're all mine. They're all me. And you need all four of those. You need all four of those personality types. You need all four of those ministry focuses. Because only through all four of those can you equip all of the saints. Only through all four of those can all of the saints then do the work of ministry. Only through all four of those do we reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Only through all four of those. Because that's what we're seeking. As a church, this is what we're seeking. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's our end. That's our end. If you're not seeking that, if you're not seeking mature manhood, if you're not seeking the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, That means to glorify Jesus, to reveal Jesus into this world. If you're not seeking that, if you're seeking your own petty aims or desires, you're seeking your own comfort, you're seeking your own delight, you're seeking your own kingdom, and you're sinning against God. Seeking your own ease. You're sinning against God because you're not bringing these things into submission to him. So repent. 
Ask God to forgive you. If you've been living in pettiness and unforgiveness, seeking your own claims in your own place, repent. God will forgive you because Jesus has died for those sins. Stop walking in them and set the unity of faith the knowledge of the Son of God as your goal. That's what I'm aiming for. For all of the non-Christians that they might come in, for all the Christians that we might all be sanctified up to that. That's what I'm going for. What's your goal for the church? What's your goal for your church? What are you seeking? Amen. Let us pray. Father, as we seek you, I ask your forgiveness for not seeking you well enough. It doesn't fill me as it ought. But Father, we pursue you. You're cleansing. We thank you that our aim is holiness. Lord, I pray for those who have gifts other than mine and I pray that you would Grant me the grace to encourage them and to love them in the fullness of their gifts. That all these things might be built up. That all of your people might be built up. That all of your people might be equipped. Lord, that your kingdom might come in new and greater ways. And that we all may attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Father, I ask this. We need this. Send your Spirit upon us to reveal these things in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.